Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. This week on the show, we are talking about Clerks. Clerks. 1994 indie film from uh, one Mr. Kevin Smith. The only. Yeah, the well, probably not the only. That's a fairly generic name. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. The one and only. <laughs> <laughs> the Maybe the one and only the Kevin Smith. That's I know true. Kevin Smith. What? I know a Kevin yeah, Smith. Yeah, see, and it's not this one, is it? Nope. No, That's he's exactly, way not cooler than this Kevin Smith. Exactly right. So, Clerks is... Um, Written and directed, of course, by Kevin Smith, uh, his first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gone on to do a whole universe based on these, this film. Not really based on the film, but, you know, the world it created. Yeah, sharing within this universe. We'll talk about Clerks 2 next time, but there's also, you know, he's done so much. He's done uh, Dogma. Uh, he's uh, done Dogma. Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Um, Jersey Girl. Jersey Girl. Let's not talk about that one. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike J- Back. And, the, and that whole series. So, you know. There's a whole world based on this. Um, Mall rats. It's not really starring anyone that you probably know. It's a pretty. Uh, uh, it's a very indie film, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, yes. It was shot on a budget of like twenty seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but first, we have some uh, house cleaning slash order of business to attend to. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm leaving the show. Oh god. <laughs> Thank God. Oh man. <laughs> Records one secret bonus episode with me, and now he's leaving. That's all we need. <clears throat> I got my, my bag all tied into my. This has my been a chair. this has been a rough afternoon. Typical this. stuff. Wait. It has been a rough it's afternoon. It's been a fun afternoon. While Josh gets his order of business in order. Okay, I got it. Oh, never mind. So today, uh, the day that we're recording this episode, not the day you're listening to it. Is Andrew's birthday? Yay! Guinness called. He is officially the oldest man in the world. You really sound like crap. I'm. So, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I like because he's so. Let it all happen. Because he sold sick. Well, like I have it. Is t- that better? I, it's your. It's your. If I tilted a little bit. It's your wore out back. I think you're still. I think. Yeah. I think it's just that you're screaming. I could be. No, I think you're talking too loud. Well, I can certainly back off. I think that might be the key. I can maybe because you were like sounding scratchy, like when you peek. I've got that raspy Well, voice. maybe that's it. Well, let's see. Let's try this. We'll try right. it. So anyway, we came prepared for Andrew's birthday. We did. Well, he, he, he doesn't know it. What? Oh, man. Some of he us more prepared know. than others. Well, some of us. <clears throat> some of us. Some of us forgot to tell others. <laughs> <laughs> first first order of business, we have a box of donuts. Oh, oh look, at look at that. Look at these special donuts. We're going to enjoy donuts while yeah, we talk about Well, hot damn. Yeah, those aren't all for you. I was I was going to say you what, get the first one. Yeah, you do get the first one. I tell you what. Why don't you go ahead and take it? No, I I'm going to I'm going gra- to grab Every one just time. a second. Don't I'm going to grab one in just a second, okay? okay. I'm going to grab one in just a second. I just don't uh what it We got some napkins or something? Yes, yes. <clears throat> Here. We said I came prepared. I'm going to take a this live radio. <laughs> I'm gonna take this here glaze. Now, what are you gonna and do? What with it? And eat it. Oh, I thought you were gonna say <laughs> shove it up your butt or something. Why didn't you want to take one first? Pull a stand. Well, I'm I, so confused as to what's going on. He yeah, was trying he to be polite, but he's just that. I mean, Andrew, has anybody ever told you you basically are just like the grown-up version? You're of You're the house? person who's like, no, everybody else can get their piece of cake before <laughs> me, and you, then you don't get any you cake. You get the last, yeah, you yeah. get the little crumbs. It's like if ooh. I'm a little curious. Sorry. What are you curious about? Sorry, folks at home. We didn't buy these at Quick Trip. Well, I know that, but like, but Quick Trip, if you want to sponsor this, nah. podcast, is there? Is it, oh man, this is, is a gooey donut. They, they are probably very, got they got hot in my bag. I'm sure they, they are, are very gooey. gooey. Is there one missing? There shouldn't be. There should be eight donuts. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven. Oh. Son of, did you eat one? There's you ate one, didn't you? No, there's there's only seven in there. 
One, two. <clears throat> three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No. There's, there's one under the blaze. There's four on the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, four, two, five, three, six, four, seven, five. eight. Y'all don't know how to count. One, two, <laughs> three, four, five. What the f is happening? Six, seven. This is the most confused I've been in a long time. I've yet to be able to look at this to verify two, the count amount. Four, five, six, seven. What happened? Somebody's drunk. I don't know. Who ate a donut? <laughs> I sure as shit didn't. You got ripped so. off. <laughs> That's okay. Andrew. Andrew's the one who gets the one donut. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I'll no. just have one. I don't think I need two donuts. There, the, 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 re the reason why I was like the reason why I was holding off is because I've had a lot of sugar today. Oh, oh yeah. boo hoo! You. It's your birthday. Yeah, it's my you birthday. Know this, I'll get one. I'm gonna get one here in a second. So Andrew, it's okay. We're not done, yet, Andrew. By the oh, way. how officially old are you? Two. Seven. How old are you officially? <laughs> 712. <laughs> you remember the Mesozoic era? I mean, it was, it was very... Do you oh, still you. owe Moses money? <laughs> no, he still At owes me money. command cents. That was really bad. That was really bad. I am 34. 34. We also, there's also a couple presents for you. Yep. Ah! yep. Um, I guess I'll give mine first, because yeah, mine's here. not... David. Mine's not oh. funny. Oh. Sorry again, folks at home. I bumped this GoPro like five times. That's all right. We'll just cut to the other cut to camera. Well, the GoPros will see me digging in my bag, and they'll see what's in there yeah. ahead of time. I didn't wrap it. I don't know if I'm in the in GoPro a, shot. It's in a bag. Am I? Oh, I am in the GoPro yeah, shot. Yeah, you are. Look at me there. Yeah, it's in a super wide. All right. Yeah, my own lens. Gift number one. Why that gum? Looks like books a million. Well, way to spoil it. <laughs> oh, well, cool. He don't know what it is. You know. He ain't even got it out of there yet. Eat what you watch. It's a oh. it's a cookbook based for movie lovers. Hot damn, this is cool. Thank you. Yeah, well, oh, man, I know we're eating every week now. Uh, yeah, you think I, I got that so I can borrow it. See if there's a Clark's <laughs> recipe in there. There might be. I didn't yeah, pay attention to that. recipe in here. Uh, it's, it's definitely the snowball. <laughs> <laughs> it does have... It does have what she had from When Harry Met Sally. Oh, that's good. That's, that's great. Good. We so, haven't covered that. And it also has... It doesn't have a sequel. <laughs> now, I'm curious. <laughs> that's a good reason. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What else is in here? There's a lot of stuff in here. Ooh. <gasps> Pasta with prison gravy and meatballs from Goodfellas. Yep, there you there's go. a I will Harry Potter butterbeer is in there. Um... <gasps> If you just buy that tiramisu you from Superbad, still only make Wookie cookies. I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> yeah, there, there are no Wookie cookies in that book. Have that? a whole Star Wars cookbook. You make one thing ever. <laughs> Ooh, it has the uh, the cortisone of chocolate from the Grand Budapest Hotel. Don't there you be excited about that. There you go. Go. It also right. has. It also has. What else does it have? Um, it, I hope everyone can hear me chewing on this donut. <laughs> the Hawaiian burger. That's a from Pulp Fiction, yeah. Yeah, from Pulp Fiction. All right, I hear they make tasty burgers. We have. Is that a reference to Pulp Fiction? It is. We discovered we were talking about off air that Garrett, that Andrew often makes the most banal references. Is that the right word? Banal. Sure. To to movies, no, like, or, ben, of, or benign, same thing. Instead of like going for like the obvious catchphrase that everybody remembers, he'll go for like, "What did you do from Founts of Lambs?" Uh, On your time, Mr. Pembroke. No. Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembroke. What is that? Nobody. It's right before uh, Lecter Escapes. We literally all watched that, too. We so did. there's a there's a couple yeah. more. Two more. Mm. At least. More? That are, um, what the hell did I do? Before, before, we, before we move on. Garrett and I have a Well, this is more of a joke. <laughs> okay. But it, it's also it's, practical. Yeah, it is a practical joke. You will use these, maybe. So, he won't. Well, the, Andrew, 
You actually did it today. Andrew is constantly buying bottled water. Ruining the environment. Totally. Every day. (laughs) When it would be so simple to just refill it, right? Yeah. So, you go first. Got you a water bottle. Wow, cool. Here, technically, pick these up for us. <laughs> well, I know. So now everybody gets a water bottle. To, I get a second uh, donut. We're all the happy. environment. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. And these are pretty slick water bottles, if I do say so. Ooh, thank you. I got two of them. Damn. Oh, damn. I, I got a dollar. I got a dollar. And something else you can do. I got a pickle. If you forget to ever take your water bottle, you can just take the water bottle you bought today and refill it again. Oh, that's true. That's what I do. I have one at work that I just refill every day. It's a plastic bottle. One I can fill with water. So much more environmentally sustainable. Yeah. One I can Hashtag fill with water. And people think you work out. One I can fill with beer. <laughs> they do think you work out. <laughs> um, they do think we all work out. So that that's it. That's Andrew's birthday. Well, that's the podcast. Th- Thanks for listening, Thank everybody. you all very no, much, guys. A, we made everyone watch Clerks as a ruse. We're not really going to talk about it. No, <laughs> we will. Birthday. Okay. Um, so let's all get back on track now as we eat our donuts and our... I'm going to cry from happiness just from the donuts. Our yummy listeners. Yummy These are listeners? really good donuts. Our, 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 our listeners came. Our, just our, our fantastic yummy. listeners. <laughs> our fantastic yummy listeners. Can, we, can, yummy can, that listeners. Be, can that be the name of our official fan group now? The yummy the listeners? The yummies? Yeah. The, our yummy listeners are going to listen to us smack on our yummy donuts. Yeah, I, pr- I promise I won't do that, too much of that. Yeah, sorry if it's annoying. This donut's about half gone. Yeah. Okay, so... Let's go around the table, and I'll share our one word to describe clerks. All right. I'll start. I'll say foundational. I'll say revolutionary. Wow. That is, that, that's high praise. High praise. I was, even compared to me, because I was going to say inspirational. Inspirational. Josh? Amateur. That was what I was going to, that was my other word. If I'd gone second, my word, or if somebody had said the word foundational, I was going to go with amateurish. I don't think it's uh, safe, or I think it's safe to say no one will ever think of the word foundational outside of you. So why, why did you say foundational? Let's get into, let's dig into that a little bit before we go on to the moment I'm most excited about, which is Andrew describing revolutionary. I wish I could watch this movie for the first time again, because I feel like I could give a more succinct word of I think my, my description of the actual film itself unfortunately I have to kind of watch this movie with sort of like the history in, in that I the, that I I have I know and that's that it does launch the career of Kevin Smith and um, he would go on to make even more cult classic films and uh, beyond that I mean even beyond his films Kevin Smith's just a really great guy and uh, I'm just glad that he kind of became like a minor celebrity out of this because he's such a he's just such a great guy. He's so he's so he's so cool. He's a he's a uh, he's like a fans fan. He's yeah. He's a he's a movie make. He's a yeah. Yeah. He's like a he's a fan of film, and he, he became a and he became a director, and that's great to see. Yep. He went on to you know write for. Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and he's written for other movies that he didn't direct, and he's directed films he didn't write, and he's directed a bunch of directed TV of shows. Yeah, he's directed um, various TV shows beyond even just that. And it's so uh, the guy's a great talent. I'm really glad, that, and this film really served to put him on the map, and it got it it got the attention of someone like Miramax, who was like, okay, we will give you, you know, a couple of films to get going here and then 
you know, I think with varied success, his films have done have have come out over time. But he's always had a pretty reliable fan base. What has he done recently? Uh, his most recent film would be uh, Yoga Hosers? Yoga Hosers, I think. Yeah, okay. that's what. But I can't find any real information on that. At, before that, I think it's Tusk. Yeah, that's okay. the most recent thing they did. Well, that was like a horror film, stuff right? It's not been well. Okay. It's it's like a parody on horror films. It's very similar in vain to like. Um, the Human Centipede movies, but he's also spoofing it, but it's in a weird way where it's not very good. And I love Kevin Smith, but I didn't like Tusk. Yeah, he recently went, kind of went back to independent after his sort of relationship with Miramax folded up. So his most recent films are like Red State, um, uh, like we said, Tusk, and then Yoga Hosers. And then like supposedly he's working on Clerks 3, working on a sequel to Mall Rats that was going to be called Mall Brats. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, you, when you take all that into account, you go back and you rewatch Clerks, you know, I feel like you kind of have to look at it as the building blocks for a big career. So, Andrew, why is it revolutionary? It's revolutionary because this, is, this film came right at the height of the independent film movement. And to, I mean, before before uh, Kevin Smith came along, we had several other re- we, we had several other uh, films that came out that kind of, that sort of revolutionized movies. Uh, one of them was uh, one of them was uh, Boys in the Hood. One of them was Boys in the Hood. The other one was uh, El Mariachi from Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why this I feel like is revolutionary is because. It's literally made with one. It's literally made with no budget. Now, granted, El Mariachi was made with a cheaper budget, but this was made purely. This was like this kind of came out of nowhere. It it really did come out of nowhere. With uh, I mean, with from a literal nobody. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's it's revolutionary because of this of the dialogue. I feel like the story, while the story. I, if you want to, if you want to talk about the story a little bit, there's really—I don't think there's really a plot, per se. Not true. You don't think there's a plot, no, or you I do think, think you, you do think there's a plot? There's okay. a plot. There's just not like a, what's. There's just not tradition. I feel like traditional story beats, right? That you expect from a <clears> film. It's more a little bit more slice of life mm-hmm. type movie, as opposed to sort of a movie that has mm-hmm. like a series of events leading to a climax. Uh, uh, uh okay. I'll take that. Um, but the other thing is, is that like I think it's it's really revolutionized in dialogue because the dialogue in this is brilliant. I love I I do love the dialogue in this. As raunchy as it is, the dialogue exchange between people is incredibly good. Cool. So. All right, Josh, do you want to go next? Or do you want to go, Garrett? I'll go. We'll just go in the circle, I suppose. So I I said amateur uh, because I was I was trying to pick. A word that would be somewhat neutral. I didn't want to do anything bad or good because I really just didn't. I didn't care for it. Um, okay. I enjoyed it when I was younger, and I did not enjoy it so much today as an adult. Um, when did you watch it? Last night. No, I mean, when did you first watch it? <laughs> I don't know. You don't. When remember. I was young. Okay. Teenager, probably. Mm-hmm. Early, early teens. I it's would like yeah, it's the Toy Story of Josh's movie <laughs> memory. He can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, it's like it's it. just, and I, I have to assume that it's just not for me mm. because of the the way that it's stood the test of time for so long. I truly can't grasp why. Mm. Um, it, I just didn't find it very memorable. 
Um, but I went with amateur because that's literally what it is. It is an amateur film. Like like you said, Andrew, it is made by Kevin Smith, who came out of nowhere, who'd done next to nothing in terms of film. Uh, it was made on a very small budget. It was made with actors that no one knew. Um, but also, you could see it. Um, the acting is bad. Yeah. It's it's bad. It's, yeah, it's it's not good. It definitely um, comes and goes, especially from some of the side characters. Yeah, I mean, um, what's his name? Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, Dante is is, I think, competent mm-hmm. as an actor in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, Randall is competent at times. Jason Muse is bad. <laughs> J- Jason Muse has never been good. No, I think, like. I- yeah. I didn't like Jay. I didn't like Jay at all. No, I don't think you're really supposed to. No, Jay's I don't think. Of, I don't you know, think I mean, as a character you're yeah, supposed to. But no. I also just found myself going, why is why is why are the his this duo? Why are there segments in this movie? Right. But whatever. Yeah, it was a really um, odd, odd thing. And it's just kind of uh, the females. The female cast isn't overly tremendous in terms no. of their performances. Either. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, if anything, they're a little too over the top. So that that's why I picked amateur, because it, 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 that's what it is, and it yeah. felt like it. I'll, I'll I'll have more on that in a sec, but I want to hear from Garrett because you said it was, uh, what was your word? Inspirational. Inspirational. That's it. I was confusing it with Andrews. No, I said inspirational because as a kid, this is <laughs> this hit home a lot, just because I have always enjoyed uh, the idea of being able to do film stuff myself. I've mm-hmm. never really e- executed anything, but being but seeing this movie and just seeing how well written it was, and yeah, it was. You know, it doesn't look good. Um, but knowing that he just did it on his own, took his own time, shot it at the grocery store that he worked at as mm-hmm. a kid growing up in Jersey. He took it. He did it at night, uh, found people to direct or to act in it, and just really did everything for himself was really inspirational. And it was something that uh, really fueled me to get more into the film aspect mm-hmm. Of things, even if it didn't like take that specific. We still host a podcast about yeah. movies. I watch a ton of movies, so it, it's really something that had. And, and I don't know. I just feel like I really connected with it. And the reason that I said that there's not that there is a plot is because if you watch this whole thing, it seems like it's a whole bunch of nothings. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie about nothing, right? <laughs> but at the end, everything ties in together. And, and I think that goes to his writing because Kevin Smith is a great writer. But for me, all of these things that are happening show you two completely different characters. So you have Dante who looks at out, his outlook on life is a negative. Everything is out to get me. So he's going through all of these things, building to the end where he and Randall have their confrontation. And Dante is like, everything's out to get me. Um the world has got it out for me. I'm not even supposed to be here today. And Randall's like, dude, you're not doing anything to change your own mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're so unhappy, do something about it. Yeah. And yeah. and it's really, as Andrew says, a character study. And so I think that that for me is the plot is you have these two completely different characters who have a completely different outlook of the world. And all of these things are essentially happening to both of them. And Randall is a sociopath, but I feel like he's the one that Dante is trying to be more like and and find that not Randall-esque, don't give a shit mentality, but able to take hold of something 
And that's what I think the purpose of this movie is, is that you have to take hold of what you want in order to change it and not just let everything happen to you. I don't want to yeah. turn this into too much of a side tangent on another movie, but I that is I feel like that was kind of the conversation David and I had about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's exactly what I said to my wife. Um, where it's uh, you're watching these two characters mm-hmm. handle life in different ways, and you're not necessarily seeing a traditional story unfold through uh, you know the arc of a film. You're seeing it presented a different way, and I feel like both of those movies do that. Just in different ways. It was, you know, it was, it was your, it was your. Te- you used the phrase "slice of life" when you were taught, when you told me, when you, when we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I didn't really care for it. Right. right. Uh, so, you know, send your hate mail to uh, <laughs> at Andrew Nichols. <laughs> um, but I I've got uh, enough already, so it's all good. But uh, this, and then when I was watching, I was like, you know what? That's what this is. This is a slice of life. There's not a bigger, grander story that's going to happen to these two characters. They're not going to be you know, shaken out of their world and go on this adventure or anything like that. This is a day in the life of Dante and Randall. Mm-hmm. And some really weird stuff does happen, but it's all very much like, it's all very like they have no control over it really anyway. Yeah. You got the juxtaposition of two characters, Dom Randall, who's kind of like a lazy anarchist. And then you have like Dante, who's sort of like a, a loyal pushover to an ex, you know to a certain extent like he's like Randall like is like who cares mm-hmm. I don't care who who gets offended I don't care what happens I'm just going to be a raging you know jerk unapologetically me unapologetic is a great word for Randall and then Dante is like people pleaser uh, yeah he's subservient to a to a fault that even he recognizes so uh, it's in that way the characters are relatable. For a lot of people, there's a lot of people who feel like they are stuck in that sort of uh, position where they're always serving, and they've always <laughs> they always have a friend who's trying to tell them to move on and do better. But that friend maybe also the isn't really members. doing anything else. Because mm-hmm. like, what's Randall doing? He's doing the exact same thing. He just doesn't get. He just doesn't care about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. That's right. Um, and and the fact that it's just a it's just a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, convenience store and a video store, and, and that's it. Really, doesn't leave from there, Mm-mm. and and I I, fi- I find that interesting. Just, well, that's probably budget constraints. Well, I'm well, no, no, no. Yeah. I find that interesting they, because, like, one of the things that Karen that uh, not Karen uh, Kevin Smith was uh, Karen Smith Karen Smith uh, was trying to compare it to because he adapted this from uh, Dante's Inferno. Okay. And he's he's com- he's comparing it to the levels of hell, especially where they're they are working. That's why it's I I believe that's why it's uh, it's the chapters are named the way they are. So I mean it's if anything it's just an allegory of from uh, Dante's Inferno. It's an allegory of hell. I think Josh, you might appreciate this too. I feel like this could very easily be like a one act play. On a on a stage, sure. You know, it's there could yeah you could there's minimal it. sets, there's minimal cast. You could do this on stage, and honestly, it it's written kind of like a play. It's very there's you know there's a lot it's a of series of scenes, and it's it's they don't necessarily blend together very yeah. well always. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I see. It feels like and it feels like somebody's first. You can almost play. sense the set changes happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can feel them coming, and it's. Uh, well, in the transit, I, th- I think you asked, you had mentioned something about why are Jay and Silent Bob? Why do they have so many scenes? I think those, I think why they're they used as exist? a form of transition. 
Because there are some scenes where, like, they just go to them outside not doing anything, and they're, like, the scene where they're dancing, like, yeah. to me, that is, like, a transitional piece because it doesn't really serve a purpose. No, it's... Other than they're just out there slacking around, doing whatever they want to do, and that sets up a transition to the next thing normally. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, like, you have no reason to, like, really cut away... There's nothing really new that changes about the ex- interior. So you cut to the exterior, show time has passed, cut back in. Um, to go back to what you talked about with it being inspirational, um, Josh, you probably have it up on, on something over there, what all Kevin Smith did to get this film made, probably, right? I think he maxed out a bunch of credit cards. Um, he was working at the convenience store while he was filming. So, like he would film at night and then work, and work, at di- work during the day. I think he said he got some FEMA money from some cars that were destroyed in a flooding that he put towards yeah. it. Yeah, it's something like that where he's any he made, he literally made this movie with the resources he had and whatever money he could scrounge together. He he, he uh yeah, according to Wikipedia, I want to source it. <laughs> Wikipedia, uh, he sold most of his extensive comic book collection. That's true. And too. max yeah, maxed out eight to ten credit cards. Yeah, so I thought I'd read that. Eight to ten credit cards. That's a lot. Like a, it was like a, you know, like a $2,000 limit or something. Isn't that what Two, it says? Yeah, yeah. I thought I read that. And um, he dipped into his college fund. Who knows how and, much that was. I think he also borrowed money from his parents. Too. And all that said and so done, had a lot of, it had a budget of like $27,000. Yeah. And it's impressive. I don't know what all that really went into other than probably paying the actors, working with, you know, like probably compensating the convenience store guy maybe renting an ambulance you know like there's not like a uh, uh there's a lot of props sure there's some costume changes but it's all very it's a very ec- economically well-made movie because like it does not there's not like a waste of a lot of stuff and it's also i mean well film equipment too film and sound equipment That's true. you gotta That's have true. some and then well i guess they played the role as their own editors so i guess they didn't have to do too much there yeah, but, I do remember seeing Kevin Smith listed as an editor in the yeah. credits, which is, which is not uncommon. He he's edited a lot of his own movies, but um, but yeah, like I guess they had to have somebody run a camera mm-hmm. and time everything right. So there has to be you know it's a little bit of a crew, some background Sorry, stuff. That was me. Okay, but yeah, um, I think it's it's also revolutionary in that way as well. Um, I like I like the choice of black and white. It reminds me. Because like the shot placements, if anything, it reminds me of. If if anything, it's reminiscent of a security camera. Mm-hmm. It just it just looks like the camera is just still, and it's interesting you point out. It's interesting that you point out, David, that it, it's kind of like a play. Mm-hmm. So it it probably could be a play. I would like to see this in play form. Yeah, I think um, I think um, Kevin Smith said that he was actually inspired to write a a play after seeing a friend of his in in the play somewhere and he thought about doing Clerks 3 as a play and I think they just did a reading of it at this most recent Comic Con so who knows maybe he'll get into that kind of thing here oh, in the future but I was so. just, as, I would, as I was watching it I was like you know I could see this being I could stage this this is not that hard you don't need a lot of setting you know it could be very easy to set up two sets that you know, like on stage to represent the the two locations that they really go. What if you could? And then the only other place they go is the the only other place they ever are is the car, mm-hmm. and briefly at the the wake. Yeah. I wonder if they could uh, maybe turn it into a musical. No, I'm sure they. they uh, Kevin Smith would probably be all for that. That sounds like the kind of thing he'd be like. Yeah, let's do that. Musical. Clerks the musical. Why they not? Did, they did an animated show. He's done tons of different stuff, kind of 
uh, making fun of his own his own shtick. So the movie doesn't look very good. It's cheap. But for me, and maybe I'm the only one that had this experience, like it eventually it starts off because you admit so before you and I watched it, I had watched it previously. Right. Yeah. And so I remember thinking right around the point where the Chulis gum salesman is putting that long on there, like the Chulis gum actor is not good. Mm-hmm. He's not a good actor. And a lot of those people in that scene are not good actors. But around that exact same time is whenever I thought that. I was like, oh, man, this acting is a lot worse than I remember. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, and I don't remember where, I got sucked in. And I it out of body experience or something because the the badness of the way that it looks, it went away. The audio issues went away. And the bad acting went away and everything just kind of turned to where like none of that either mattered or I didn't notice it and I was just sucked in and just enjoying the movie and it all went away so like the second time that I watched it when you had mentioned he's a bad actor all of that was still away and I was like ah he's not that bad he's pretty bad he is bad (laughs) yeah but it just because of the way that it's written and the way that it comes across for me I just all of that goes away and it just really comes across to me as a good movie yeah, it's the acting. And I don't know how. The acting is a little stilted <sighs> at times. You can definitely tell that this is early work for most of these people or first work for some of them. If you really watch, you can see like the extras who are like pounding on the walls and throwing cigarettes. You can like see them laughing while doing their scene. Um, so like, and that's not to like rip on the film necessarily. It's that's literally it should be expected from a bunch of people who. This is either their first film, or maybe some of them it's their first time acting on screen. Maybe they're only used to acting in stage plays. Uh, the writing, while I love some of the dialogue in this, it is at times a little ham-fisted. It's a little verbose at times. Yeah. It can be a little bit like, these characters, for being who they are, are I feel like know themselves a little too well. You know what I mean? Like They, they describe their situations almost too well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, well, and the, but the, I feel I feel like by the end of the film, you've had time to kind of invest in the characters. So by the end of the film, you're kind of like you feel better when the movie's like you, okay. that. The uh, what is it? Catharsis mm. sequence at yeah. the end after their fight. You kind of go, all right. Well, finally, they're kind of like actually saying something that has a little bit of like clarity to it, and I'm ready. And I think makes sense. But well, and the the back and forth delivery know. is almost too. I don't want to say perfect. But it's too well oiled. Yeah. So like, somebody will say something, and then immediately, like it, it's like rapid fire conversation, and nobody really talks like that. And that's something that I point, noticed watching it was like they're so. It, it comes across as like they are reading a script, yeah. but like re- they're reading it really well in that they all know what they're supposed to say mm-hmm. after the other person says it. So like, yeah. there's no time for like thought process of what they're saying. It's like, blah, 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 blah. And if not like a taking in of what you say, it's just more of a reactory. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say, but well delivered. Mm-hmm. And they don't quite have the, the, uh, I guess the, the charm to really pull that off. There's another film that does a similar thing, and I'm sure this. I'm sure probably they were inspired to replicate something that was on TV or in movies, you know, around the same time period. That sort of like fast back and forth rep- repartee. There's another film that we, uh, you guys, reviewed not long ago, uh, Ocean's Eleven, where George Clooney and Brad Pitt do that same thing, where George Clooney will start a sentence, and before he's even finished like the third or fourth word, Brad Pitt is already saying yes, like he knows the end. He knows the end of the question. Like George George Clooney will say something like, "So we better know, yeah." That means you need to, yes. 
but you yeah and like they they cut each other off and that they 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 have us they have the kind of like the charm to pull off the idea that they've known each other for a long time whereas i feel like these two actors don't quite have that going on it just like you said it feels like they've just rehearsed a lot and they're just like snapping these lines off the second they get the opportunity yeah, I didn't feel a lot of camaraderie between Randall and Dante. I thought they just seemed like people who worked next to each other. Yeah. They didn't they did not seem like friends to me, is what I'm getting at. I felt like their best one of their better scenes was when them driving the car when they were talking about the his cousin who uh, died trying to uh, suck his own, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was cuz I was like, you know what? I feel like I've had not that particular conversation, but con- conversations sure. that are like that in a car driving somebody to or from something and you're just like and one guy's just or one person is just trying to like really uh, get the other one to say something stupid, and it plays out exactly how it, it probably should. Where uh, you know Dante admits like, "Yeah, I can never do it," and Jason mm-hmm. goes, "I've never tried that. What yeah. a pervert!" It's great. Um, that was like one of the few times where I was like, "Okay, that felt like something two friends would do." It felt like a real conversation, but a lot of times it just felt stilted. Andrew, I feel like I feel like it was this- revolutionary. I, I mean, I, well, I mean, it was revolutionary in how it was made mm-hmm. and what's done for independent films. In terms of age, I don't think this movie has aged very well, and no. and a lot of the a lot of what's what hasn't aged very well. Pretty much everybody here's here has covered. I also really think that while I because I've seen this movie, I saw this movie years ago and. And I, I, I think this movie is geared towards like late teens, early twenties, early twenties people, because mm-hmm. like we watching it now, we're just like, we don't understand that. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't say we don't understand I understood it. I, 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 was, I was bored. Yeah. I found it boring. Yeah. I'll say I did feel a certain extent of, I felt like I had grown out of some of the stuff. Yeah. Not all of it because there's still certain elements that I relate to. Mm-hmm. But there were elements that I was, but there were like early on, a lot of the early on bits, I felt like kind of outgrown this kind of like throwing a lot of curse words out. And that's really funny. Yeah. Like I remember being 14. Yeah. Like the, the scene where he's, where Randall's listing the names of the porn videos. Right. I just didn't like, I don't find that funny anymore. No, I mean, I found that really funny the first time I watched the movie, especially when he finishes the line and says, what would, what was it you wanted again? Yeah. You know, like I, and it was a kid's movie. Yeah. I was laughing really hard as a kid. I remember being 14 and the, the, you know, the cinema friends that I had, the people who were like all into making movies and watching their own movies were like, you got to watch clerks, man. It's like life changing. And I was like, okay, well I got to watch. Clerks. It does seem like it's kind of aimed toward that young, mm-hmm. um, yeah. kind of scrappy. Stuck There's a word I'm looking for, down. but it's like the kids who like, have their own world going. Yeah, it's know? like well, it's kind of like it's an it's an outsider. The outcast, movie. the outsider. Yeah, outcast, yeah. It's for those kids. It's a very know? yeah. The I kids who that. aren't. It's the kid that like your parents wouldn't let you watch this. No, yeah. your parents. But you no. did late at night. No, but you're like uh, your your older brother would sneak you. Yeah, you know if you have an older brother, you know what I mean. It's it's kind of movie that like you're not supposed to probably watch, and it fit really well in with the time period of like MTV and. Yeah, uh, makes sense. I mean, it predate it predates South Park by a few years, but like, it's that type of appeal. I feel like it's kind of like breaks all the rules. It does stuff you're not supposed to say in movies. It was almost rated NC-17 mm-hmm. just for its vulgarity, and it's like a it's a it's a movie that I think a lot of people would want to make if they could make their own movie. Something that's kind of edgy and 
doesn't really have uh, doesn't really hold itself to the traditions that you kind of want expect from a film. But watching it today as a 29 year old, it doesn't really have the same effect that it no. had when I was 14 no. or 15. I want to talk about Dante's love triangle because boy, that man is dumb. Yeah, that man is so <laughs> that gets dumb. complex. So he's dating a girl named Veronica, uh-huh. I think. Veronica, Victoria, one of those two. Yeah, and she comes by, brings, uh, or talks to him, and they're like, paint. They have a really good conversation in, as far as like dialogue goes when it comes to they're like he's like painting her fingernails, and they're just really having a, ba- a dialogue back and forth, and it leads to like how many partners that each person has slept with and it goes into the snowballing thing which mm-hmm. is, just goes and goes and that is a really good conversation and then they get into a fight we find out that in the meantime Dante has also been talking to an ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. who they dated in high school and she yeah. cheated on him like seven and a half <laughs> or eight and a half times and she's wanting to get or he's wanting to get back with her Somebody finally has to explain. I think it's it's the Silent Bob moment mm-hmm. where he talks and is like, "There's a lot of good girls out there, but most of them are just going to cheat on you. Not every one of them brings a lasagna." Yeah, and it takes all of this to realize that maybe going back with a girl that cheated on you that many times is a bad idea. Right. And he had a very nice girlfriend who rescued him from that mob. That's what she did. She like shot a fire extinguisher at all these people. Like yeah. Veronica seems like a great person. Yeah. Yeah. And Caitlin does not. Just uh, has a propensity for... Uh, S&Ds. Going down is yeah. how she phrased it. Yeah. And that conversation <laughs> is really funny to me because, of like, who cares? Like, that's the way that I look at it now. It's like, who cares? This is... I've all, I'm always of the belief that having that conversation is a bad idea. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many people you've been with before me. I don't care. It is like the ostrich theory yeah. that they say. Uh, if it's if I can't see it, then it didn't happen. But just that conversation and like her getting mad at him for sleeping with twelve people, and then his overreaction mm. to her saying she's done suck thirty seven dicks. Like, yeah, it, it is an example of like <laughs> how men react to things like that. Just thinking how I'm going to handle that. <laughs> I'm going to censor that. Or I like how she always says, a couple, and he goes, a couple? A couple. Yeah, the whole premise is just, he it's just, funny and frustrating that's the to point see where how I said, he reacts. Yeah, he's, he's a jerk. He's, an, he's a bad person. He's a jerk. Like, And I, that's why, like, even when, when we're talking about him feeling stuck and needing to spread his wings and all that kind of crap, I don't care because I don't like him. Right. I think I think he deserves to be stuck in that. I think the that only likable character in this movie is Veronica. She doesn't do well, anything Well, I'd say wrong. it's Bob because he never speaks. <laughs> yeah, Silent Bob is the most likable character in this well, movie. Well, yeah. When he finally says one thing, I was like, that's like a really great And it's profound. Thing. Yeah. It's really profound. But, like, Victoria is the, like, uh, she's the only other good person she wants dante to succeed she stays with him and does all of these positive things for him and she's not a jerk right everyone else is a jerk yeah there's a lot of jerks in this movie yeah it's a shame yeah it'd be better if they were more likable um but i think that's a point i don't think you're i think they're all supposed to be bad like i think this is really a a typical like slacker it is but i also feel like if you if you the point that you're trying to make is to have you care for this character's station in life, you should like them. Like, why do I care right. the, about the difference between Randall and Dante and how they're 
living their lives if I don't like them in the first place. I think yeah. that's the that's the fault of a lot of uh, early writers right. is right. trying to make characters uh, trying too hard to make characters realistic because Dante mm-hmm. feels realistic. Right. And being realistic isn't always like a good thing. Like every writer thinks, oh, I want to write how people really talk. But when you write how people really talk, it's really uninteresting dialogue. So yeah. this is a char- this is a character that I feel like is kind of realistic, and that makes him fairly unlikable. Mm. But he doesn't have the even his aha moment is kind of cut off by the fact that he never really gets to uh, enjoy it. Because, like, Randall's already gone and torpedoed the relationship anyway. Right, right. So, like, even his realization that, yeah, you know what? I have been, like, a total scumbag, and I need to stop talking to Caitlin and, you know, forget Caitlin and stick with Veronica. But he doesn't even get to really, like, reap that reward of that, that epiphany. Because, uh, meanwhile, Randall's been telling, uh, uh, told Veronica everything. Mm-hmm. And she's not having it. Well, in, in the original cut of this movie, Dante dies. right. He, uh, a robber comes in at the end and blows him away. Right. And if that had been the ending, I think that almost might have made... I mean, it's kind of funny because like, I don't want to see that necessarily, but it no, would no. have made this... I never knew that. It would have made this a dark tragedy. Oh, yeah, there's a deleted scenes on the on the uh, DVD we have over there. You can watch the... Uh, the I full, think... The, you, it's the first cut. Yeah, he made a... He, yeah, there's, a there's an alternate cut that's the original. They told him that it was too depressing of an ending. But it would have made this kind of like a true tragedy mm-hmm. in a sense because like... It's a guy who's kind of unlikable, thinks he figures something out by the end of the film, ends up getting killed anyway. Yeah. You know, his, his, he was, you know, and the, the great irony of I wasn't even really supposed to That's, be here today and he dies for it. Yeah. I can see why they, why that, why Kevin probably wrote that mm-hmm. for that reason. Cause yeah, you're right. Then, yeah, I like the idea of a dark tragedy a little more because we're, what we're left with is a movie where there's no real change in the characters. Mm-hmm. They don't, and like it doesn't, a movie doesn't have to the characters don't have to change by the end of it I'm not saying that but it just seems like that's what we were being led toward and mm-hmm. it didn't happen yeah, but, it, but like- it it is a lot of this is because it's a, it's an amateur film mm-hmm. written by a first time writer and all that kind of stuff that he probably wouldn't do today right so I don't want to knock it too much just for the fact that it's some, it's pretty great for someone's first movie, but it I, it does the question that still hangs in my head is why is it still such a big deal? Yeah, I think people really watch this movie or or think of this movie with rose colored glasses. They think about that experience of seeing it for the first time, either and if that's it, watch, I get that. Either watching it secretly in their room while their parents were downstairs, or seeing it in a movie theater with a group of friends who are like. You know, who are like Dante and Randall and Jay and Silent Bob, who are like those outcasts, you know, and so they hold it in that regard. And I think if you don't go back and watch it and you don't, because I never, when I was, when I was young and watched this the first time, I didn't notice a single one of these like weird errors. I didn't notice any of the acting mistakes. Oh yeah, you wouldn't. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, I it, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really film literate enough to catch when they're in the car and he's like, and they're just like turning the camera back and forth to shoot the two, to shoot the dialogue. And it's just like really jerky mm-hmm. but you know even and, reading and, and and it just doesn't hold up to that level when you try to go back and watch it and that's why that's why my word was foundational because like i have to just kind of view this as what it is that's a good launching point but it's not the best film he would end up making in his career no this whole thing it just feels like a like a inside joke for people yeah in a in a positive way where like 
you could say you could make one of Andrew's weird obscure references to someone and they'd get it mm-hmm. and then you would feel like closer to that person I'll, that's I'll, the kind of movie this feels like to me I'll say this too in a world that kind of predates being able to like rewatch things immediately mm-hmm. and really quickly this movie probably had a lot more good word of mouth for a long period of time because like today yeah you could find this I mean I rented this on Amazon Prime and had it ready to view instantly yes there have been there was there was home release in 94 but i don't think to quite the degree that like it not, anybody not that is they if, and is clerks really the kind of movie you'd buy back then like if you yeah exactly not. if you no. hadn't watched it in theaters or you hadn't like had it like given to you or shown to you by somebody else like i don't know if you would have like just picked it up and watched it whereas today you know like we're getting like content beamed at us all the time watch this watch that here's what's buzzworthy now watch this watch that this had huge buzz but it was hard to find so like you either had to go and find the tape somewhere at a walmart that happened to be selling it or maybe yeah, not walmart but store that happened to be selling yeah. it or a video store that w- that had it for rent right. and given that it was a hard r might have even been hard to get it rented yeah so yeah. i i still connect with it to an extent, in a different way than I did when I was a kid. T- t- today, it's more of, and I feel like many of us at this table have had this moment of feeling like Dante, where like the world is just out to get you, and everything is stacked against me, and no matter what I do, and you're your own this, is this, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're confronted with you've got you're you have got to be the one that's taking control of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not happy, leave. If you're you are so. Buckley, like one of my favorite scenes is when Dante is on the phone with somebody and the boss was supposed to come in at 12 and he was finds out that he was in Vermont. And he was like, he, did, he didn't tell me he was in Vermont this morning. And he gets mad at this person that he was on the phone. Right. And the person on the phone is like, well, I didn't get, I don't get mad at me. And he's like, you're right. I'm sorry. And then Randall comes over and he's like, what'd you buckle for? And he goes through this whole thing and Dante gets heated with him and he goes, hey man, don't yell at me. And he goes, you're right, I'm sorry. And he goes, see, you buckled again. Like, I feel yeah. that in my bones because Dante is someone who doesn't get mad. He comes in whenever he wants, but he also doesn't take any risks. He's always playing it safe. He's always playing it comfortable. And he's putting himself in this position where he knows that he can be doing more and wants to be doing more, but he's not. And then somebody who cares about him confronts him on that. And like, that's something that I feel for me and I feel like some people at this table have had that as well. Yeah. And that's where I relate to yeah. it more now yeah. is I go through all of these things and it takes a while. But once that moment happens, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it still has a resonant meaning to it, but it's just hard. I don't know. It's hard to look past some of the. Yeah, it the, has a good meaning to it. Time. It's just not executed well. And that's because of immaturity Yeah. in, it, in, in the craft, in how. It's all thrown together with uh, limited resources and budget. Like it's, if if Kevin Smith could make it again today, it would be much better. I'm positive of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that like it's a great debut. Mm-hmm. It's a great debut. And it's amazing that he got it picked up. He took well, it to yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, he took yeah. it to like, Company. He took Sundance? It to, Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. yeah he Why took on it. earth? This just doesn't seem like a Sundance movie yeah, he, at all to me. No. I think he took it to Cannes and he took it to Sundance and Miramax was there and they watched it and some and and. He's had to distance himself from this recently, but Harvey Weinstein was like, I like that. Come over here, you know, and he, he invited him to a table and he said, um, I want to I want to I want to distribute this movie for you and I want you to start working on another movie for us. And that would end up being Mallrats that would come out the next year. And then uh, even though that didn't necessarily fly off uh, off uh, at the box office or anything, 
they kept that relationship going because they really thought they saw something in Kevin Smith. So it's uh, amazing what he was able to get out of this movie that we all kind of agree is like a very early work independent film. But yeah, won won a ton of awards. Can I read off these awards here? Sundance Film Festival is nominated for uh, three Independent Spirit Awards. Um, it showed at the Cannes Film Festival where it won the Mercedes-Benz Award, which I don't really know what that means. I'm guessing it's really good. I guess you get a car. And um, like the price is it right. was named the 16th greatest comedy by Total Film. It made Empire's Magazine of the best – it was the, called the fourth greatest independent film of all time. Uh, Entertainment, Week, Week, Entertainment Weekly ranked it 13th on its cult 25 of the ultimate left hit, left field movies. Um, and it just barely, like apparently it didn't make, it didn't make the list, but it had a ton of uh, support to make AFI's top 100, but apparently has uh, not yet been able to get onto that list. Um, Those, so like it, it has an incredible legacy and it has an incredible uh, list of accolades to it. And I, I feel like, um, it's just amazing that it was able to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it just – in terms of aging well, and I've said this before, I, I don't I, – I just don't think it did. Um, I, honest, honest, honest effort, uh, honest first effort, all the gold goes to go – everything goes to Kevin Smith on that. And mm-hmm. I, think it's a, I think it's a great first effort. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's if anything, it's just a benchmark in independent film about how movies should be made. Go out and do your own stuff. Right. Do what you got to do. Make it cheap. Because if there's anything I've heard, and I heard this from Robert Rodriguez. Uh, oh yeah, ma- when you had breakfast with him the yeah. other day, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard this. I heard this from Robert Rodriguez. He said, "Make it cheap. Make it dirt cheap. Because the cheaper movies are, the more creative you get." And Granted, I think if anything you can take away from this is uh, is how to write dialogue. At least I think. Maybe. I think you give it a little more credit than it's due, but that's okay. That's your opinion. Yeah, it's I mean, not – I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's not necessarily a great film. It's not a great film. But it came out at the perfect time. Yeah. It came out at the height of filmmakers wanting to be independent. This was off it, the – This was – I mean this was in – 1994. This is off the heels of films like Pulp Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, well, that didn't come out. Did it come out in 95? No, that came out in 94. 94. Pulp Fiction. Uh, Slacker from yeah. Richard Linklater. Spike Lee was becoming a really big name. And then you had like the MTV crowd. You had uh, Grunge and, and out, you know, Outcast. The Outcast uh, uh, persona was becoming a very popular element of pop culture in that time period. It really tapped into what a lot of people were feeling at the time. So while not an incredible film, perfect film for yeah. a certain generation at that time period. Yeah. So we need to begin our, our descent. Right. If this were a flight. Um, That's- does anybody know why this movie was filmed in black and white? Oh, I know one reason. What's your reason? Because um, the film was shot at night. And they wanted to disguise, A, that it was nighttime when they were shooting... Um, and B, that's the reason that the shutters were written to be – they don't work. Is that way you couldn't tell it was nighttime outside for when they were doing most of their shots. All the a- exterior shots are obviously in daytime, but the interior stuff's all at night. And so the black and white helps disguise that it's nighttime outside. I have another one. I have another reason. Go ahead. The other re- uh, Another reason is that uh, 
post-production for movies like this, since it was shot on film, costs a buttload because when they were shooting, they were shooting with all different types of light fixtures. They were shooting with fluorescence, incandescence, what have you, because LED was LEDs were not around then. To do that post-production work, it would cost more money. To shoot it in black and white, costs nothing. That one makes more sense to me. So, yeah, it makes it. It's cheaper. It's cheaper to shoot things in black and white. Okay, good to know. Um, well, I'm. Yeah, I know the box office stuff is limited. Yeah, yeah, we got box office. I mean it. That I'm sure it's a hit. Saving that money. Oh, for what it is, oh, but like it yeah. didn't like it's it a wasn't a wide release. No, with, no. Like, it didn't make it's, like eight hundred million dollars. Well, it didn't make that much, but it might as well have because it didn't make. A here, let me say money. so. You, like you said, they saved a ton of money just by just by shooting it black and white. It was made for yeah. twenty seven thousand dollars. Clerks debuted October twenty first in nineteen ninety four. It finished at number eighteen its opening weekend, so not necessarily a high number finish. Uh, with a three-day total of $31,000. So in its first weekend, it already made back the budget that Kevin had personally put into it. It recouped. Um, And they didn't really do a ton of marketing for it either, so one like that was something they had to really work towards. Um, And that opening weekend, that $31,000, is just in 29 theaters. Wow. So that's already pretty great on its own. It made its budget back opening weekend. Your top 10 for that weekend is a pretty stacked list of films. You have Pulp Fiction, The Specialist, Love Affair, uh, Little Giants, everybody. Aww. Yeah, really yeah. Great movie. I love that movie. Moranis. The Puppet Masters, Wes Craven's New Nightmare uh, was in its second week. And then you had uh, Forrest Gump, which I think was still going really strong on its 16th week. Whoa. Only You, and then at number 10 was The Shawshank Redemption. Um, like I said, Clerks opened up real low, just kind of right under with a bunch of other kind of independent films. Um, going back... Uh, Clerks would finish with just over $3.1 million. So on a $27,000 budget, $3.1 million is pretty great. Um, yep. And that's during its six-week run, and despite the fact that it was never in more than 50 theaters at one time. Wow. Like, it that was incredible. the most theaters it was in was 50 for one of its weeks, one of its six-week run, uh, one of, one, uh, during that time period. It made $3.1 million. That's almost a... I mean, it's well over like oh, yeah. a certain percentage. I can't. I had that number, but I've lost it here. Um, at three point one five million, uh, it is the hundred fifty fifth highest grossing film of nineteen ninety four. I think you guys have talked about ninety four before. It's an interesting uh, year for movies. Do you want to guess the number one film? Do you do you remember it of nineteen ninety four? Yeah, you guys. I think have talked about ninety four before. Is it Forrest Gump? It is Forrest Gump. That was my guess. Too. What was number two? Not hard. Pulp Fiction? No. No, it's not? No. Pulp Number Fiction's on the list. Shawshank? No. No. Uh, you want a hint? It may have had another version of it come out this year. Rambo? No, not Rambo. <laughs> Dumbo? <laughs> Dumbo? No, it wasn't Dumbo. That uh, didn't have a movie come out this wait, year. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I don't I, know. There's been so many remakes and re-releases. Was it Aladdin? No. You're so close. Oh, to the wait, Lion the Lion King? King? It was the Lion King. Okay. Lion okay. King 94. Also on the list, True Lies, The Santa Claus, The Flintstones, Dumb and Dumber, Clear and Present Danger, Speed, The Mask, and then Pulp Fiction at number 10. An interesting top 10 because if you look at it, there is not a single sequel, quote unquote, in that list. We do have a movie that's part of a series, Clear and Present Danger, obviously the Jack Ryan movies. But there would go on to be, let's see here, one, two, three, four. Uh, five, six, seven 
movie sequels made out of movies in that top 10 for 1994. So I know that's the point of this show, but God dang it. There's too many sequels. There's yeah. Seven of the movies that were many. in the top 10 for 1994 end up having sequels. We should change now, the granted, too many sequels. Granted Lion Kings was a direct to video, but yeah, yeah well, they were doing the direct-to-video sequels Disney was at the time. That was their big thing. Uh, it's the eighth-highest-grossing movie for Kevin Smith. Um, anyone want to guess number one on that? Dogma. It's not Dogma. Highest-grossing movie Kevin Smith directed. It's fa- it's fairly recent. Clerks 2? No. Oh. Wait, the, the question is the... Highest-grossing movie Kevin Smith directed. Oh, the one that... He I didn't helped. write this one. Okay, uh, the one, the stupid one with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan? That's it, Cop That's, Out. Yeah. It was gonna, originally really called bad. A Couple of Dicks. It's, it was a but, bad uh, movie. Uh, Which Kevin Smith went on, to, went on the record to in, say Bruce Willis was an asshole. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, Clerks is not the lowest-grossing movie Kevin Smith's ever made. The lowest-grossing movie is Mallrats, which even adjusted for inflation, Clerks made more than uh than wow. rats that's how kind of underwhelming that one came out uh to finish it off uh that's it <laughs> oh good good way to finish it up i thought i had okay. another stat there i was gonna find who's running the uh, the rotten tomatoes game this week oh who won last time i don't, I don't know remember. it's been so long I, th- I think it was you okay and then garrett go with garrett because yeah yeah if all else fails go with garrett that's what that's my motto that's my motto and i'm sticking to it all right well uh, so let me uh, pull who that wants to make up. the first guess I'm going to go. You want to go? No, you go, Andrew. It's your okay. birthday. Hey, gummit. I'm going to go. to say something and then immediately gives it to me. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go with 67. Okay. 67. That's your That's your critics review. Yep. Uh, I'll say 85. I will say 80. 80 even. 67, 85, and 80. Okay. Consensus. With its quirky characters and clever, quotable dialogue, Clerks is the ultimate clarion call for slackers everywhere to unite and uh, do something, we guess? That's that's actually what it says, do something, we guess? Yep. It's a question mark. 90. We called it the ultimate something. Ultimate something. That's a big jump for you, 80 to 90. That's a 10-point increase. They called it the ultimate. They did. They did call it the ultimate. There's no way it's not a stellar score when they say that. Andrew? I'm going to go from 68 to 86. 86. Well, that's quite a... That is a bigger jump, yeah. I was pretty confident in 85... But I mean, did I steal yours? Oh, no, shit. but you went right ahead of me. I'm okay. pretty confident that it's either, like Josh said, in the 90s or almost 90s. Like, ultimate I wish I was in the 90s. something. <laughs> uh, I'll say... I'll, you said 86? Yeah. I'll say 80... I'll go right between you two. You, you're 90 and you're 80. You're 86. I'll just go 88. Okay. All right. 88. 88 on, miles per hour. <laughs> Josh is at 90. Andrew's at 86. David is at 88. Because I feel like it's a cult classic. One of you yeah. is exactly correct. Ooh, hello. One of you is correct. And that person is. It's one of those two. I can sense it in my bones. David. Yay! David wins again! 88%, 89 for the audience. Hopefully I'll, have, uh, I'll get to run the game one of these days, too. Every time, every <laughs> yeah. time I, every time I run the game, somebody... Yeah, let's too. do it for Clerks, every, too. Every time next happen. week, somebody goes, yeah, I actually saw the score, so i got to run the game this week. Yeah. Um, all right, so what? what is everyone else's scores? And then we'll head out of here. Um, I'll say three and a half. I'll go, I'll go three and a half, too. 
two and a half for me. Ooh, two and snap. a half. That's not necessarily horrible. Nope, it's okay. Yeah, two and a half is or three and a half. Sorry. Yeah, because I feel like the historical merit balloons it up a little bit for me, but yeah. I can't go. You know, man, I'm gonna drop it to an. I'm gonna drop it actually to an, an even three. My first Ooh, instinct wow. was to give it four. Yeah, but oh I probably would have said the same. I will do three. Had I not rewatched it for the podcast, I probably would have said four as well, because I think my 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 nostalgia would have yeah. made it like, yeah, this is one of the better movies of all time. It's almost you know, it's almost perfect. It's 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 a four. But having now rewatched it, I think I got to give it like a solid three. Like I was gonna give it three and a half, but even just talking with you guys, I think it's like I got to go down one it, three. It it gets the score. It gets my score because I, I rate it on on the independent the the scale of independent cinema. I'm a huge fan of independent cinema. I mm-hmm. think it's lauded, laudable by itself. What's your favorite independent film of this year so far, Andrew? This year, I don't know because we're not we're we haven't really got yeah. that far into the year yet. It's so. almost October. Yeah, what yeah. you talking what about? Are you talking for? about man. I don't remember. <laughs> we're closer to 2020 yeah, than yeah. 2019. The truth is, he doesn't remember. He tried to blame it on the time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's the time of year where Andrew forgets everything. <laughs> I mean, you you get it's true. Another year older, You're gonna have another to start brain I'll tell you this: the best independent movie I saw this year is Midsummer. Was Booksmart independent? It was, but you, and you know I what? do love Booksmart, but man, Midsummer—the way it's made—it's a technical achievement that I think is a step above Booksmart. Even if I may have enjoyed it about more. All right. Okay, then Midsummer. Oh no, not Midsummer. Uh, Booksmart. Booksmart. Yeah, it, Booksmart's right. a good choice. Booksmart's probably my number two. Well, it's time for you to start hibernating. You got to wake up and see your shadow here in a few months. Yeah, <laughs> so. you need you to be That's well it arrested. for this week. Uh, we'll be back next time with Clerks Two. Yes, a movie I've never seen. Oh my god, really? Oh man, I hate it. You are in. I am. It. I'm positive. I'm going to hate it because I don't think it's as well loved. You're going to hate no. it. Yeah, you're, I've you're, only seen clips of this. Oh, you're you're gonna. You guys are going to hate it. I think I, I've seen no, all the I, best things. I'm going to love it. Is it? Here's my question. I borrowed it from. I borrowed it from. Is it just more? Shock dialogue, uh, yeah, with, without no, a real a lot purpose. More shock I'll tell you this: from what I, I remember, I like from what I have seen, there's a lot more pop culture conversation. They do have a brief conversation about Star Wars in this movie. Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, I should say. Well, Star Wars and, and Lord of the, of the Rings. And that conversation, why I don't like Lord of the Rings. And they, as much. they talk a lot. They talk a lot more pop culture. I feel like in Clerks too, at least from the clips I've seen. Yeah, there is a lot more moving around. Like, well, that's good. Is like, it in black and white? No. no. That's kind of like the... I don't like that. They should have committed to it. That's a great opening bit that you'll see. The yeah. black and white part? You'll yeah. see, yeah. All right, well... But you're going to hate it. Yeah, like, I... I <laughs> you don't I'm like gonna, it either? I'm going to be the only one. Am I the only one who's not seen it? If, no, I, I've seen it. I did not like it. And you've seen... So I am the only one no, who's I've not only, seen I've it. I've only seen clips. Oh. I've, I've only seen, like, a handful of clips from the movie. Because I watched a review for it way back when it came out, and they had, like, a series of clips interspersed. So all I know is nobody talks about Clerks too, so I have a vibe that, that it's probably not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. But it. if you loved Clerks I mean, or you love Clerks too, let us know. You can find yeah. us on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. We're really popular on Instagram. I'm not sure why. The, yeah, the kids. The kids love the Instagram. Uh, let us know what you thought. Give us your one word. Give us your review, and uh, you know we'll like, retweet, we'll do all that stuff. Be part of the conversation. Do it, do it. Okay. See you next time. Until then. It's my. F- birthday what the hell am i doing here ah